0: Hello and welcome to the Perusia Podcast. I'm Raish, your host and director Perusia, and very excited about today's guest, uh, known for for quite a few years now, but uh, it's the first time uh, I would say we have had him on. Um, local Australian priest and um, and 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 very good. Fr- I'm very good friends with his parents, and um, it's been well 20 years I think since since I've discovered the Grace family and his from the Wagga Diocese and the, in the parish in Griffith. His name is Father Andrew Grace, and he joins me live uh, from Griffith right now. Hello, Father, how are you doing?
1: Very well, thanks, Shabelle. Good to be with you.
0: Thank you. I was, It's just amazing. It's been 20 years, uh, I think, when I first met you. Um, you must have been a young, uh, like a, just early ordained, or maybe even in, in your last days of the seminary. I can't remember now. It was, it was very close to you. How long have you been a priest now? I was ordained on the
1: 6th of October, 2001, so just okay. over 19 years now.
0: Wow, wow, amazing. I, I think I would have heard about your story um, in your final year of the seminary then. So just in 2000, I heard about you for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just been amazing. Uh, so I'm excited to to share your testimony to, to everyone here and, um, and, and ready to dive in. Before we start, could I invite you to lead us in prayer, Father?
1: Most certainly. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As Jesus taught us to pray, we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us us this day day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen, our Lady Queen of Peace, pray pray for, for us. us. Saint John Paul II, pray pray for us. Saint Charles Borromeo,
0: pray, pray for us.
1: Name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Thank you very much, um, F- Father. Uh, Why are we? It would be great. You you have a powerful testimony, and um, uh, you know I'm, the the little bit that I know is uh, I know you you were. Quite far away from from priesthood was not one of the things that you were um, uh, thinking of uh, at one stage in your life growing up. And um, I'd like to just dive in. Your upbringing, a bit of background, and then and then, um, and then go from there. So whereabouts are you uh, born and, and raised, and, and, and were you a cradle Catholic?
1: Mm-hmm. Certainly. I was certainly a cradle Catholic. I was born in Liverpool in Sydney on the 13th of August, 1965, and born into a beautiful Catholic family. My father was a convert. He'd uh, met my mother on a five-week trip to Gundigai, uh, working as a bank teller, and just went there as a a Protestant and came back. (laughs) He met my mother, who was considering becoming a nun. She was actually doing a novena, and it was on the, the 40th anniversary of the Great Miracle of the Sun of Fatima. They were down by the Murrumbidgee, having been dating for a few days, and mum just put it all out there. They'd fallen in love, and mum just said, look, I'll be honest, I can't marry you, you're not a Catholic. <laughs> and my father said, who said anything about marriage? He said, I'm not that type of person to become a Catholic just to marry you. Um, but he could see the, he could see the beautiful, beautiful sincerity in her eyes, um, the love of the faith, and he was always attracted to truth. His mother always taught him to tell the truth and seek the truth. So that really attracted him. And she said, here's a book called Roads to Rome and a miraculous medal. And, um, six weeks later, he's on his next assignment in Vale, just Southwest of Sydney. And he was 1130 at night in the pub again, um, where he was staying, doing his bank teller work by day, reading his book. And he had what he describes as the St Paul experience where he just had this incredible infusion of knowledge. As he's reading this book, he, he understood the Eucharist perfectly. He said he, he knew it was really the body body of Christ. And he said he understood the papacy. And he knew that Jesus had given the gift of the papacy to keep his one true church together. And the last one was to come later, the love of Our Lady. And, but that experience happened on the Feast of the Miraculous Medal on the um, 28th of... November, uh, 1957.
0: So his God. life changed uh, forever since Indeed. since that Indeed. moment. What an what an yeah. amazing experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I imagine did they later? They uh, how long after that did they? Um, did he pop the question? And <laughs> uh, did he? So did he become Catholic before uh, proposing? Or?
1: Yeah, very good question. He he decided to take a year off um, the relationship. <laughs> no letters, no phone calls, nothing, just to prove he was becoming. A Catholic for the right reason. And um, oh, good on him. he had a terrible car accident with mum just on the last day, though, before they were to depart, uh, where a man, a drunk man, walking across the road and yass, uh, just a little bit further north from Gundagai on the Hume Highway, heading up towards Sydney, pouring with rain. And this man walked straight in front of dad's VW. He hit the man and Mum hit the windscreen, she was out cold. Dad thought she was dead. Um, The poor man died and Dad went back and Mum came too and he nursed her and helped her. And that kept them together because the way things were going with Dad's faith journey, he could well be wearing the collar (laughs) now, but it wasn't meant to be. He was called to marriage. And so they got married in St. Patrick's Gundigai on the Feast of the Assumption in 1959. And Our lady, so, lady again. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> they've been wow. married now for 61 years. They've, they've had six children and I'm the fourth of six. Three oh, boys wow. and three girls. We're the Brady Bunch.
0: <laughs> Thank you for, for starting there because I think people who don't realise, but your your parents, they're just beaming with, with joy. Uh, every time I see them, there seems to be this joy flowing from them. The, the smile on your, your mum's face all the time. It just is so contagious. <laughs> just think, what do they have? <laughs> mm. I want what they have, and it, that that's so powerful. Um, the last twenty years, I've known them. I just, I can't help but be uplifted just being around them, and uh, mm. and just seeing that, that this is real for them. Their faith is real, and um, it really is inspiring to see.
1: Mm. Yeah, they they love Our Lady. Um, they moved to Cabramatta. They're at Sacred Heart Cabramatta Parish with Father O'Keefe. And Dad got very involved, as did Mum with the Legion of Mary. And even with six little children, they were just working so hard for the parish. It was just an amazing story, of um, faith journey. And from Liverpool, uh, Dad was the bank manager at Liverpool, CBC Bank. And then he got a move eventually to Flemington and Homebush, And that's when we moved to uh, Strathfield in 1972.
0: And oh wow! And that, so that—that's where you were—you—you you were brought up.
1: I was brought up at—I went to Saint Anne's, South Strathfield, educated by the Dominicans in the primary school, uh, the wonderful Dominican nuns, full habits, black and white. Wow! Um, and then I went to St. Patch, Strathfield, uh, where the Christian Brothers run a wonderful school of fifteen hundred boys. So it's wow, well, it's
0: a good size school. Mm. <laughs> and all, all the children got the same sort of education. The, the, all six of you.
1: Dude, my, my oldest sister went to Santa Maria del Monte and then Santa Sabina in Strathfield. Uh, my two other brothers went to St. Pat's Strathfield and my youngest sisters went to Bethlehem in Asheville. So another good Catholic school.
0: Uh, what was the um, upbringing in those early years of life with faith wise? Did you pray as a family? Did you with your parents having such a strong faith, did that? Did they lay the foundations early on? What was what was faith life like mm. for you um, growing up?
1: Most certainly growing up, Mass was never an option in the household. We, we <laughs> had to go to Mass. Dad said, as for me and my house, will serve the Lord, so uh, you must obey. So we did. Um, we would pray the rosary from time to time when there was a critical instance, such as my mother's brother had a brain tumour, so we... I remember well praying the rosary, praying for his cure, which he did receive, and he's still alive to this day. Praise God. Um, sadly, Dad, being a uh, ex-Protestant, he did love the rosary, but at that stage he hadn't fallen in love with the rosary. And so when the family had come together to pray the rosary, the six kids, there'd be a bit of rumbles and problems, and so Dad would get distracted, and sadly we dropped the rosary. Um, but we certainly would uh always go to mass always pray grace before meals um but i see i saw Mum and dad hit a new spiritual high in 1975 when they made a marriage encounter weekend um i saw their marriage become a, a beautiful sacrament um so that that was a new phase in their life where they ended up becoming the national pacific couple going all around australia and uh different parts of the pacific uh giving these beautiful weekends for marriages to make good marriages even better. Um, uh, is that so linked
0: that, with the parolas at all? Was that with that? Correct. Then?
1: They were very much with the
0: parolas. Ma- um, doing amazing work. Yeah. yeah. With- so the marriage
1: encounters very much for priests as well to do these weekends where they discover their vocation is to be spent. Oh, wow. So as a marriage is to be spent. Uh, so I grew up knowing a lot of priests that come around to the home and um, yeah but sadly the, at that stage our lady wasn't as strong as she should have been in the household that was to come now, later
0: what well, uh, as as a teenager you um and, and as you were saying the, you dropped the rosary for a little bit there yourself you you did uh, i understand did fall away a little bit there can you tell us about that time of your life
1: no, certainly towards the end of our schooling at st pat stratfield A lot of secularism had had come in. I I use the um, the acronym RED. So in the latter years of my schooling, relativism was very um, obvious to me. You know, one religion's as good as the next. Not not with all teachers, but that certainly came through. E for evolution. That was very much pushed. So if we if we're all evolved from apes, you know, why not behave as apes and Party on. (laughs) Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you may die. Um, So, R-E-D, evolution. D, denial of hell. And that was the big one for me. Once, Once hell's out of the equation, there's no fear of God, no fear of the Lord, no concern for judgment. So, it was party on, really. So, from the age of roughly about year 10, about 15, I started getting involved in the party scene, which meant drinking and Um, womanizing eventually and yeah so I fell away I was I was very much at that stage a cafeteria Catholic still going to mass with my parents but just pretty well living this double life and receiving our Lord um, unworthily and quote unquote saying I get nothing out of mass well I wasn't spiritually I mean physically I was receiving Jesus but spiritually I was getting nothing out of that tremendous experience where we should be um, enlivened in our faith through the ultimate, the pinnacle of our faith, the yes. source, the summit of our Christian life, the Eucharist.
0: Well, you you, you speak a profound uh, point there that that we I really want to unpack a bit later on, because that's such a common uh, thing today. Where majority, unfortunately, majority of our Sunday scholars may have teenagers experiencing the very same thing, and they might turn up at mass and just not getting anything out of it, but. Um, I'd like to really yeah, unpack that. But, but just in your time, uh, in this party time, how many, how long were we talking about here and, and sort of how deep in the party scene are we talking? Uh, you said you're womanising and, and going out uh, with bars, clubs. Um, uh, how long did you live like that for? Sure.
1: Pretty well went from the age of 15, about year 10, right through till I finally got to confession. Um, and that was the big turning point. When I was 26, I finally went and made a sincere confession and I'd say without a doubt that was the turning point in my life.
0: 11 years. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Wow, wow.
1: Um, Having said that, I was still on the peripheral. I was still going to Mass. You know, there would be some highs sometimes singing hymns, Here I am, Lord, or whatever at Mass. I would get emotional or singing the Our Father at Mass. So there was still, you know, that... Tradition, the Holy Spirit was working on me. The prayers of Mum were there, but certainly um, I was definitely not receiving our Lord in a state of grace.
0: And so you you avoided confession for eleven years, or, or, or at least yeah, yeah. Pretty much. And why why did you do that? Can you remember? You just felt you didn't need it. Uh, obviously, there's no hell in your mind at the time. Okay. You did still turn up at mass, but what? What sparked that initial then idea of I'd better go to confession? What mm-hmm. what got you to that point?
1: Yeah, certainly. Um, I guess probably the main thing would have been my sense of the reality of hell. Once I okay. realised that hell exists and that I was a very good chance of going there, that changed everything. So how did mm-hmm. I get to that stage? Yes. I guess the the party style got worse and worse um it went from the drinking to eventually the drugs marijuana um, speed um, amyl nitrate um ecstasy that type of stuff in the party scene now this is with my group of catholic friends that i went to school with you know from st pats santa sabina um the height of madness i guess as i'd like to call it was probably climbing the opera house at three in the huh? morning. This typifies of where we're at. Um, one of my, f- one of my friends in our group, we had um, a lot of, you know, prominent people from the Strathfield area. One of my friends, his father was a doctor and his house we called the resort. We'd go there whenever his parents were away as the big party resort. Um, he, he had a, lovely pool, tennis court. So we'd often go there for the parties, but his father would call us the death squad, the death squad. Um, wow. Now we, we climbed the opera house, eight of us, two of, two of his sons were in the group of eight and, um, we got to the very top, the highest point. I don't want to give anyone any ideas. It was three in the morning, um, up right on the pinnacle of the opera Sydney opera house, we thought we were kings of the world, chest beating, high fives, and but coming down, <laughs> we're like lambs. The, the last two-thirds of the climb is dead easy. You're on the ridge, but the last third coming down, you're literally holding on the tiles with little grooves, and so to get better grip into the tiles, we all, eight of us, took off our shoes and threw our shoes down, and as I took off my shoes and threw them down, I was watching them roll and roll and roll i thought any minute that's going to be my body yes i i really started to start to freak out and start to shake and one of the one of the guys that had joined our group he wasn't catholic um now i had a nickname at school called bible and it became abbreviated Bibles because my parents were so religious we all had nicknames and i used to give as good as i got i i didn't mind it but when it got blasphemous it used to upset me a bit yeah Um, yeah but He, for some reason, didn't call me Bible. He called me Priesty. Now, he said to me, don't worry, Priesty, I'll help you down. So I said, look, Dave, I'm shaking like a leaf. I'm going to fall down. I'm going to kill both of us. He said, don't worry, I'll go in front of you. So he went in front of me and blocked the visuals. And for anyone who has a fear of heights, they know it's all about seeing where you're going to fall. So once I could just see his back, I calmed right down. And sure enough, he helped me down. And um, I believe he saved my life that night. Wow. And um, a few months later, he and another guy, one of the son of the father, of the doctor that called us the death squad, uh, the, his eldest son, almost had his pilot license. And from time to time, they'd take a plane from Bankstown Airport, little Cessna, where they'd leave the keys in it, go for joy flight, and nothing would go wrong. But on this night, sadly, Dave, the one that, saved my life from the opera house. He and John, the older son, they crashed and burned in the southwestern suburbs of Sydney um, in wow. Bridgelly, God rest their souls. So Dave and John lost their lives. And I'll never th- forget driving my beautiful girlfriend home that night to her mansion up on the North Shore of Sydney after the big wake and having a bit of a party at their house after at the wake. I was driving her back and I just said, I can't understand it. He used to call me Priesty of all people. Why would he call me <laughs> Priesty? She looked at me and said, you're not going to become a priest. Are you? I said, that's the last thing I'd ever do. Forget it. <laughs> so my parents went to Madrigori. Um, They went for their 30th wedding anniversary. Wow. And while they were there, they just felt so challenged by this holy place. Dad said, I've got to go to confession, which is, as St. John Paul II said, it's the confessional of the world. And he, he went and he confessed a multitude of sins. He didn't tell me what they were. But he, <laughs> did, he did mention one thing, that was watching too much television. To his amazement, okay. the priest really focused in on watching too much television. Now, just before Dad left, he put the crucifix, the family crucifix, on top of the television. And when I arranged the parties and everyone was coming over, I could not move this crucifix. I just thought, what's wrong with me? Why am I so ashamed of you, Lord? And so I left it there. Meanwhile, dad's confessing watching too much television on the other side of the world. And he came back and he found he was completely healed of the addiction of watching too much television wow and from there he started really getting more involved in the faith started discovering more of our lady's messages and then he came across the most amazing book which your parents were given through dad yeah. as well that's uh, right book our lady speaks to her beloved sons this incredible book um well, where lady, in front of you um yeah, just, how's that there it is <laughs> <laughs> beautiful um this beautiful book where Our Lady spoke to this priest. On the 8th of May 1972, he'd gone on a pilgrimage to Fatima, most concerned about his brother who Some had left the priesthood, some were rebelling against the Pope. And whilst he was there, Our Lady gave him a beautiful interior locution and said, I'll choose you to start my movement that will bring about the triumph of my Immaculate Heart in the world. Which was a beautiful prophecy of Fatima way back in wow. 1917. So it unfolded from there. So that this book is now contains so many messages about the book of Revelation and what we're living through. And one of them really stood out for my father. And she talks about very much sacrilegious communions, she talks about the false church church built by freemasonry where ecclesiastical masonry has entered into the heart of the church even in rome where where this idea of confession is really ridiculed um, and s- consequently so many of our youth aren't going to the sacrament anymore so many are receiving sacrilegious communions so my father was delving and meditating on this especially in the light of his children who are now no longer practicing the true faith. And so at this stage, my father was telling me a lot of these messages. And I was, I was quite interested but because I grew up with the message of Fatima, having been born on the 13th of August. I oh, to, okay. <laughs> and it was a Black Friday, so I used to get teased about <laughs> being born on a Black Friday. So I was thrilled to know that Our Lady chose that date, the 13th. So anyhow, Dad Dad said to me, "I've discovered something amazing in this book." I said, "What's that, Dad?" And I was at that stage. I was working as a project manager, looking after construction sites in Sydney, having gone through university at UTS in Sydney there and and then Sydney TAFE. I had a pretty good job, and so I'm gobbling down my wheat bix, ready to go to work. <laughs> and my father looked me in the eye, and I knew he was about to say something profound. And I I said, "Just tell me, Dad, what is it?" He looked me in the eyes and said, I've discovered that you are the Antichrist.
0: Oh, (laughs) imagine being told that from your dad. Oh, (laughs) I said,
1: said, Dad, you've lost the plot. (laughs) You have totally lost the plot. And and in the the back of my mind, I'm thinking, great, I'm free of all this. I can get back to the denial of hell, get back to evolution, the party, relativism. One religion is as good as the next. I thought, this is my green light to escape this because you almost had me. And he said, wait on, that came out the wrong way. I said, Dad, that's the understatement of the year. He said, what I meant to say is you belong to the church of the Antichrist. And I said, what are you talking about? I'm a Catholic. I go to Mass sometimes. He said, "Uh aha, sometimes. He said, do you realise missing Mass on a Sunday deliberately is a mortal sin? You need confession before receiving Holy Communion again. I said, Dad, I haven't got time for this. Tell it to the hand. I'm out of here. I drove off in a real huff. But my father backed up his words with prayer and fasting. Mum and Dad were mm-hmm. praying and fasting, praying the centicles, praying the rosary, fasting on bread and water on Wednesday and Fridays for our conversion. So I'd say to Dad, what do you want for your birthday? I'm trying to buy my way out of all this guilt. And uh, do you want a gold watch? What do you want? I'll, I'll give you anything, Dad. He said, all I want is for you to go to confession. That would give me the greatest joy. Father's Day came along. Dad, what do you want? You know what I want. Christmas came along. What do you want? My girlfriend was over in America on a holiday. I was looking after a few small sites in Sydney at the time. It was 1991, just before Christmas, and I was driving past St Mary's Cathedral in Sydney, And I was caught in a traffic jam and I looked over and there was a parking spot right in front of the cathedral. I said, what are the chances of that? (laughs) So I pulled over, went in the church, looked up at the crucifix and said, surely, Jesus, surely I can just say sorry to you. Surely I don't need to tell my sins to a priest. And as I'm praying to the Lord, I looked over and there's a green light (laughs) right (laughs) above the confessional door. Said, "All right, Lord, I'll go in." <laughs> so I went in and just said to the priest, "Look, Father, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't, I don't know what to do, what to say." He said, "No problem." He said, "It's not an examination. I'll guide you through this," and he did. And I'll never forget his words. He said, "He said the most serious sin of the modern era is not all those sins you confess. Whilst they're mortal sins, they're serious sins. The most serious sin is pride." If people only understood with humility, the gift that's on offer, the liberation through this sacrament that Jesus gave us on Easter Sunday, if only they'd come in, they'd feel the weight of the world lifted off their shoulders. They'll feel the peace that only Jesus can give. I walked out of that confessional high as a kite and um, caught up with dad and he was just beaming. He was so happy. So that 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 was the joy that that he gave me my father um that that incredible sacrifice of prayer and fasting that that those courageous conversations he had to have with me um I needed the shock treatment of being called the Antichrist to um wake me up to to get wow. me to, yeah.
0: And that's amazing. Um, yeah, just those little guide incidences, you know, those those moments, and you know, the parking light and the and just the, the statements there. And you finally, you just pop in. The chances of having the green light what, at the time that you pulled in um, meant to be. How did life change since then? I mean, what was your life like um, immediately after that first confession? What was what was it like then?
1: Yeah, very good question, Chabel. After that, I was just in total joy to receive the Lord once again in Holy Communion. Um, I was just finally, I was able to get the grace the Lord wanted to give me. And for that period of December up until April, it was highs and lows. It was great joys of being able to see the Lord, but I kept falling. All mm-hmm. my mates, the parties, the the habits, the addictions, they were very hard to break. So it used to break my heart some days going to Mass and not even... I said to the Lord, I'll never ever receive you sacrilegiously again. I made that vow with him. So wow. some days I'd just sit back and watch people go to confession and almost in tears, knowing how weak I was, how, you know, but but yet how much in need of his grace. So come Holy Thursday, uh, we'd often, my mates, my rugby mates, would always party on first day of the Easter break. So mum had say, this is a sacred day, come to church. No, Mum, no, it's holiday time. So it was 1991, uh, so I beg your pardon, 1992, Holy Thursday. We'd been to the pub with the rugby mates that had some marijuana, sadly, again, still. And um, I just collapsed, collapsed on my mate's kitchen floor. And he. I woke up him saying, Gracie, Gracie, wake up. I came to, and my first words were, that's it. Never again. I'm not touching that stuff ever again. And they, they, my mates laughed at me and said, "Yeah, right." So that was Holy Thursday night. The Lord gave me an incredible grace that night. And thanks be to God, that happened. So I said to my parents not long after, I said, "We need, please, to start a cenacle, the Mary Movement of priests cenacle in our home." They couldn't believe their ears. They said, "Sure, we'd love that." My brother, my older brother and my younger sister joined. And so we started the first Seneca on the 6th of May, 1992. And it's still going in the family home um, 28 years later. Praise God.
0: Praise God. I mean, what an inspiration for you to come up with that um, at the time of your life. That um, mm. so, yeah, you've had your confession. You've had that sort of um, episode there. And, and what, so what was going on there in the early years? Um uh did you continue to party after that or or that was it you, you no more no more drugs no more um partying that. you did you still have your girlfriend at the time
1: uh, yeah good question yeah. <laughs> the the party certainly stopped uh, after that our lady in the cynical she homeschools us beautifully mm-hmm. so this this book the words in the book are just so um clear of what we're living through she she spells it out perfectly yet it's a message of great hope and and finally i was able to consecrate myself to the immaculate heart of mary which is the gift of the blessed trinity given at fatima that the world's forgotten this is the ark of the covenant the the new ark that we've got to get on board the immaculate heart of mary so i was delving now deeper and deeper into this most beautiful heart of mother mary and it was changing me, um, as was confession, of course, and receiving the Lord. Um, and little by little, more people started coming to the Seneca. It was remarkable. It got to the stage where we had 50 young people coming every week to the family home. We actually had to knock out a wall in the house.
0: Huh. Uh, <laughs> it was
1: a in. wall for one of the bedrooms for Dad and Mum. They'd moved to another room. And so the Seneca um but meanwhile my girlfriend was still going out um she was she noticed a big change in me um but she was accepting of it and we actually started a cynical in her home in pimble in sydney with her father as well and that was going (laughs) great guns um her mother wasn't too keen about it but that's another story um but within our own home cenacle, there were now vocations starting to emerge we had 12 young men receive a call through that cenacle. We had wow. eight young women enter the convent through that cenacle. Wow. We had beautiful marriages come through that Cynical. Um I was reminiscing with Father Michael De Stoop the other day, and I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying this. Yes. He came to the cenacle. I went up there last month and we had the cenacle in the family home when I was looking after my father who's recovering from a car accident. And... Father Michael and I were just reminiscing about that day. And I said to him, I remember the day you looked me in the eyes and said, you believe God's calling you. And I said, I remember shaking your hand and clearly saying in the back of my mind to God, don't you dare call me, (laughs) please. So at that stage, I I was starting to sense a little call, but I was completely in denial. But I was um, being nurtured by Our Lady and she was rebuilding me in her immaculate heart.
0: Praise God. Wow. Um, so, I mean, this is phenomenal. I mean, just, just that alone, just starting a cynical, uh, we'll have to explain what that is. Uh, um, You've mentioned two words there, cynical, and there was also a locution. I wanted to catch it. People may not be familiar with those words. What is a locution and what is a cynical?
1: Mm-hmm. Locution, probably the most famous one would be St. Francis of Assisi when he was in San, Dam, San Damiano and the crucifix, Jesus spoke to him from the crucifix, go and rebuild my church. And he he literally physically started rebuilding the church. He didn't realise at that, that moment that God was calling him to start an order. So that's it's so important we understand that and the concept of um, revelation in private revelation and how we've got to gently understand it. So, Father Gobi, similar situation. He's on pilgrimage, speaking to the Madonna, pouring out his heart. Our Lady interiorly spoke to him. As you hear me speak now, he said, without a doubt, he knew this was from Our Lady, the most beautiful yeah. feminine voice penetrating his innermost being. Um, so that's that's the locution. Uh, the cynical really dates back. Our Lady explained to him she's going to bring about the new Pentecost, a second Pentecost, an incredible transformation of the world through the Holy Spirit. Wow. So she taught him this beautiful prayer, come Holy Spirit, come by means of the powerful intercession of the immaculate heart of Mary, your well-beloved spouse. So in the Seneca, we're beautiful. back with mother Mary in that upper room, the room where Jesus said the first mass, the room where Jesus instituted the sacrament of reconciliation, We're back in that room where, for nine consecutive days, they prayed for the Holy Spirit. And when that, and who led them in prayer? Not St. Peter, not the first Papa, but Mother Mary. So we're again in that beautiful upper room with Mary, praying with and through Mary for the gift of her well beloved spouse, the Holy Spirit. It is truly transforming. It's the gift for our world. And Father Gobi, spend a lifetime going all around the world, spreading these beautiful prayer groups at the Seneca. Wow.
0: Okay. Thank you. For, and the rosary is a big component of it. Um, litany, all those components. Yes.
1: Good question. Five essential parts. That, that prayer I just prayed to the Holy Spirit. Firstly, three times, yes. um, the invocation of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, the rosary. Thirdly, praying for the Pope. So oh, yes. Lord, we pray for the Pope. Yes. Unity with the Pope. He's undergoing all kinds of problems at the moment from the mm-hmm. secular media. Um, I won't go there too much, but um, Freemasonry is behind it. Fourthly, the meditation on the words of Our Lady so we know what we're living through, but we know we're going to get through this soon. The triumph will come, the triumph of the Immaculate Heart. And lastly, the act of consecration to the Immaculate Heart using her specific words that she dictated to Father Gobi, who's wow. now a servant of God.
0: And you, you would say that act of consecration on a daily basis, right? Any, you, this is recommended to pray every day.
1: Absolutely. You can pray yeah. it every day, um, the act of consecration. Um, our Lady especially wants family cenacles. above all. Okay. She wants youth cenacles. She wants parish cenacles. Um, we're going to have one today in our parish Ironically, my parents started it way back in 1994. they they travelled all around New South Wales, spreading the cynicals um, and going to different <laughs> parishes, working with the parish priests. And one of them in 1994, um, before I got the call, uh, was here in the parish where I am now. So that's still going 26 years later and I'm uh, <laughs> the proud recipient of this prayer group. As <laughs> this
0: a parish, parish. priest, <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Can we talk about your um, uh, vocation? So, so from that handshake from Father this stoop, and a big shout out to him, and so you were obviously friends with him at the time, and um, he has a call, joins the Sydney Archdiocese, enters formation uh, that way. How long after that did you receive the call?
1: Yeah, very good question. Um, so that, that handshake would have been about in '93 for memory. So the Seneca the who've been going about a, a year. At that stage, right. and then in '94, I received a strong call at St. Martha's Parish in Stratfield. It was again Holy Thursday. Uh, two wow. years after that experience of quitting the drugs, and so two years later, while the priest was preaching about the beauty, of the call, the the institution, the priesthood on Holy Thursday, I can't I can't explain it. Just I just knew, wow, God wants me to be a priest. <laughs> And I was freaking out, I must admit. And um, the next day when the, the rector of the seminary at St Anne's Strathfield lay prostrate on Good Friday, again, I sensed the call. Um, oh, no. Divine Mercy Sunday. So eight, eight days later, um, I, saw, I went to a big Magigori conference at Homebush Sports Centre, where the Olympic site is now. Oh, yes. I was in 94. Father Timothy Dieter. Gave a beautiful talk on the priesthood. I went to him for confession. He said, what are you doing in your life? I said, well, Father, I've been going out with this girl for six and a half years. I think I'm called to marriage. He said, (laughs) six and a half years and you still haven't worked it out? I said, well, to be honest, I think maybe i am called. He said, here's a a holy card of blessed Pia Georgia. He's corrupt. And he said, and do a novena to our lady. She'll look after you. So I'd, I found a novena to Our Lady of Mount Schoenstatt and um, it said, "But take particular notice of anything that happens to you during the day and treat it as a sign from God. Good um, About six months before that, I'd had an incredible car accident uh, where I'd rolled my ute and survived it, crawled out of the wreck, only had three stitches on the top of my head um, from this crushed vehicle, not 666, but... No the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Yes. <laughs> so I'm driving home thinking about meditating about this novena, and um, I went to see my spiritual director at that stage, Father Anthony Banal, an Opus Dei priest, and he said, has anything happened? I said, no. I said, maybe next month when I go to Magigori for the 13th anniversary, something will happen. He said, 13? He said, you seem a bit preoccupied with the 13th. I said, well, I was born on a Black Friday, 13th of August, he said, wait on, 13th of August? He said, that's, that's the day I was ordained a priest. I said, oh. He said, I was a neurosurgeon. Um, and my father was furious that I was giving all that up to become a priest. But I was ordained on his birthday, 13th of August. I thought, wow, wow what are the stats? So that really got me searching. So then I went on a <laughs> pilgrimage, an amazing pilgrimage, where a lady, we um from new jersey dr rosalie turton who promotes the to japan worked very closely with john hefford the blue army spreading the message oh, of fatima yes. she chartered a jumbo jet to circumnavigate the world go to fatima holy land philippines china we went to tiananmen square in 94 to pray in reparation for the massacre there and whilst wow. we're on the way to the philippines a lady out of the 430 Pilgrims gave me a holy card on Vianney College. Uh, sorry, St. John Vianney. And I've been to Vianney College in Wagga Wagga yeah. prior to that, just checking it out. And I flipped over this holy card of St. John Vianney. And on the back, sure enough, he was ordained a priest on the 13th of August. <laughs> and, and the year was 1815, which was 150 years to the day before I was born. Yes, and wow. I was a baggage man on this pilgrimage just helping out. And um, so I'd always help these people and get the my key last. Sure enough, I got this huge key in 1815 was on the key. That was my room number. Same year St John Vianney was ordained a priest, had an incredible dream in that room where I knew clearly that God wanted me to be a priest. Uh, I was being attacked in this church by demons. And my only source was to go in front of the Blessed Sacrament and pray. And I went from this incredible fear to this most beautiful ecstasy of peace. And I told this priest, he said, oh, you should join our order here in the Philippines. And I said, I don't don't feel peace here, Father. I I don't know where I'm meant to call, but he said, promise you'll do a Novena to St John Vianney. So I did. And um, halfway through, when I got back to Sydney, I opened the Catholic Weekly. They used to have quotes from saints they called it oh, yes. spots. i don't know if you remember those ones
0: i do i do <laughs>
1: so this is back in 90 um 94 end of 94 it said when i'm in total despair i have nowhere else to turn than the tabernacle like a dog returns to the feet of its master Signed, saint john vianney so the, wow the, that's
0: powerful <laughs> yeah the last
1: day of the novena the ninth day happened to fall on the feast of saint andrew and my um, father sake. was taking bookings for the pilgrimages. They'd often get buses and take them down to Penrose Park, Our Lady of Mercy, um, shrine at Penrose Park. Yes. He had to go Maybe, shopping. He, he said, can you man the phones? I said, sure. So the phone rang. I thought it was going to be a booking for the bus, and it was Bishop Brennan on the line. He said, Andrew, I need to know if you're still considering coming to Vianney College next year. He said, now, just prior to that, I'd I'd noticed the imprimatur for this novena to St John Vianney was given on the 13th of February. And somehow I had an inspiration that the 13th of February would be the key. And when the bishop said classes commence on the 13th of February, (laughs) I just felt this amazing shiver go right through my body. And I knew it was the Holy Spirit. And I said to the bishop, I felt like saying, game, set, match yeah I can't, I can't fight this anymore on on there
0: amazing so you went to the Wagga diocese then not not Sydney so you had an option because you were based in Sydney you didn't follow your friend uh father de stoop you no. you went to to Vianney college yeah so that was the sign for you it
1: was it was it was a big dilemma whether to join a religious order mm. um or if I was diocesan, do I remain in Sydney the scene of the crime where I had my crazy yeah. life <laughs> Or do I completely trust in God and see through prayer, through novenas, through Our Lady's guidance, through Jesus, um, the saints, where does he want me? And and through prayer, good spiritual direction, I knew without a doubt he wanted me to go to um, the Diocese of Wagga Wagga to join this amazing seminary at St. John. Yeah. V. Um,
0: so you broke up with your girlfriend? I
1: did. That was very, very difficult. That happened yeah. after that experience of starting um, the center call about two years later, roughly when I sensed that call on the Holy Thursday night. Um, that's when I, for the first time, I honestly sensed that, you know, I'm not called to marriage and it, it was so difficult. A lot of tears were shed. I felt terrible. Um, but I said to, her, look, if, if we get married, it'll be a disaster. I said, I'll always be wondering was I called? And if I was called, how could I look you in the eye and say, you know, I do on that, on that beautiful day knowing in the back of my mind I may be called. Praise God, she met a lovely man and now she has three children and um, we're friends but um, very much from a distance, of course. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Prudence. So the rest is history. You are now a, a, a ordained priest. I can't believe we're out of time. I've got a few minutes. I want to make sure we get just the final word of, of advice from you. But uh, you did seven years in seminary formation. What? When did you get ordained?
1: The 6th of October,
0: 2001. Wow. Um, okay. Okay. St.
1: Michael's Cathedral in Wagga Wagga.
0: Wow. Beautiful. And, and you, were which you... Is, um, which
1: is just on the banks of the Murrumbidgee River. Remember that uh, mum and dad, the, they were yes. on the banks having the picnic just upstream in Gundagai. So... Um, How about that? Yeah, 40-odd years later. Praise wow, God. Wow,
0: that, that's profound. Yeah. What I love and I've learned just from this conversation with you is is noticing all the signs in your life and you um, you were able to remember those dates, those those incidences that God was showing you. How many times do we miss those in our life? And, so true. Um, to look out for them. And you had mm-hmm. the awareness to, to see God's hand in all of that and uh, and follow through. Um, And many of us can be blind to that for many here.
1: Matthew Kelly Kelly was one of the young men in our cynical. um, Oh, right, yes. Over in America. And he he often talks about the classroom as silence, just sitting in front of the Blessed Sacrament and allowing the Lord to show you. It's through that silence you often see those dates, those signs, because if we don't, with the hustle bustle of our world, we can miss them. So we should yes. just spend quiet time in front of the Blessed Sacrament saying, show me, Lord, you've got the master plan. Show me what your will is for me. And he will.
0: Praise God. Yeah. Well, look, he's gone on to establish Dynamic Catholic, which is one of the largest apostolates in America and doing a great work over there. Um, yeah, a fellow Aussie <laughs> and and doing a wonderful work overseas. Um, yeah, we actually got to try and get him back to Australia and do some tour here Amen. Um, all these years later. <laughs> um, Father, uh, so lo- life as priesthood, you've been, you've, um, your vocation, um, lo- loving life, loving your vocation. Uh, uh, how's it been since? It's been an absolutely amazing journey, Chabelle.
1: Um I've been in four different parishes now. Um, I've been very blessed to be here in Griffith now for the last 12 years. It'll be 12 years in January. So um, we've been able to start up a perpetual adoration chapel here in our parish. We're only one of 11 in Australia. Um, It's been going for four and a half years now, praise God, due to the amazing parishioners we have here. So 24-7, our Lord's adored in the St. John Paul II Adoration Chapel. Um, That's That's been one of the highlights of my time here in
0: Griffith. Uh, if only every, pa- if any more parishes can do that, uh, that could solve a lot of problems for us. Um, Father, uh, any uh, just sort of final words. I'm sorry, we are out. I can't believe it. That's gone so quick. Um, uh, but just final words of advice for anyone watching. There's got, we have all sorts. Uh, any many people on different um, on the spectrum, spiritual life. Some uh, may be doubting whether the church is right in every, in what it teaches. Some may be believe, you know. Um, doubting in the existence of God. There might be others thinking of a vacation. Um, all thoughts watching. Any bit of advice to those, uh, especially in this secular world that we're living in, it's becoming more and more, I guess, hostile to the Christian message. Um, what what would be your words of advice for those, uh, I guess, looking for guidance, looking for answers, looking for the truth?
1: Mm-hmm. The advice I'd love to give is that of Our Lady Magigori. I've since been there 13 times
0: Wow. (laughs) Um,
1: I've read many pilgrimages there. So that combined with the centicles, Our Lady talks of five things there, to love confession, to go at least once a month minimum, once a month, to love Holy Mass, know it's a true encounter with her son, Jesus, more powerful than any apparition, anything. Number three, read the Holy Bible. St. Jerome says ignorance of Christ." Is ignorance of scripture, scripture is ignorance yes. of Christ? Know the words, especially the gospels. She wants us to pray the rosary from the not from the lips, but from the heart. And lastly, she wants us to fast. Prayer and fasting can, as Jesus said, exercise demons. So, the power of and that's what my parents did for me to bring me back they prayed and fast.
0: Wow. And i also, on top of
1: that, prayer groups and the greatest prayer group. Yeah is the cynical where we're truly praying with mother mary receiving being homeschooled by her and receiving the holy spirit her spouse
0: powerful i love it uh, i think it's uh great advice for anyone watching here um if they wanted to get in touch with you or, or um, know more about you have a facebook page uh i do yeah. sadly it's
1: just uh, my name, Andrew Grace. I wanted to get Father, but Facebook took that away. Don't know how long it'll last. So you can look me up on Facebook or um, through our parish. We've got a parish website as well. Uh, we live stream all our masses. So oh, excellent um, on our Sacred Heart Parish Griffith Facebook page.
0: Fantastic. We'll put some links in the in the comments below. I, I want to thank you, Father, um, for being a part of this. Uh, how um, powerful it's been, and it's been a great. Uh, um, great hour with me i just uh, am so moved and encouraged uh and i feel uh, energized now so i want to um i hope that's done a lot for those viewers and, and and many please pray for father grace if you're watching this and uh and his parish and our church in australia uh, remember you're all in our prayers um and uh, just a final announcement we um will bring the peruse podcast every week later today at 10 a.m we actually got another show on with Stephen ray uh, steve ray um goes to the Holy Land like six times a year. And um, he hasn't been able to do that this year. Um, So we're doing virtual um, trips, if you like. And so we've been going through all the characters of the Old Testament. We're up to Mary now, so footprints of God, and we're going to learn about the life of Mary. So it coincides with this, I guess, the theme of today's testimony was Our Lady, and let's learn more about her and her life at 10 o'clock today, right on this very uh, um, network. So on the Facebook page and YouTube channel, look out for that. Um, next week uh, we also have uh, a book launch look out for that more information on there and then we've also announced the Advent pilgrimage where we're going to go through salvation history uh, like the Jesse tree concept leading up to Christmas uh, it's free to register go to perusiamedia.com and uh, just click on the banner you'll see Advent pilgrimage hope you can join us um, we are out of time thank you for, I was wondering if we could close with a, a blessing for those watching
1: certainly and thank you, Shabul. Thank you for the wonderful work you're doing. Praise God, I'll keep that in my prayers. And
0: thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. More prayers, the Mary. <laughs> God bless you and your
1: and to your family.
0: Thank and you, to the Father,
1: and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was, it was in, the in the beginning, beginning is, now, is now, and, never and shall it be, be world without, without end. end. Amen. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of Peace, pray, pray for, for us. us. And the Lord be with you.
0: And with your spirit.
1: And may Almighty God bless you and all your viewers. In name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless you, Father. And God bless all of you. We'll be in touch very soon.